Welcome to Our Lives with Shannon Fisher, where we discuss everything that brings us life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Our Lives with Shannon Fisher. This is your host, Shannon Fisher. And I've got a a fun show for you today. We're going to be talking about Charles M. Schultz, the creator of Peanuts and the art behind his work and looking at Peanuts from an artistic perspective from a graphic artist who was a big fan of his and who, who brought a lot of knowledge through a new book. Only What's Necessary, Charles M. Schultz and the Art of Peanuts. Without further ado, I will welcome my guest, Chip Kitt. Chip, welcome. Hi, thank you. What made you decide? I I, I know that you wrote a a book about Charles Schultz's work in 2001. What made you decide to to go for another one? Well, what happened was in in the time between doing the first one and then went and then doing this one, um, an, an archive of Schultz's work was put together over a span of, I'd say, about 15 years at the uh, Charles M. Schultz Museum in Santa Rosa, California. And so when I was doing the first book, it was the first posthumous book on Schultz's work, um, but there wasn't really an archive to speak of. I mean, there's archival material in it, Right. But it's more of an examination just of the entire career and the strip and, and the whole arc of, of it. And this book, Only What's Necessary, is also that, but it's almost exclusively um, original art and artifacts from the Charles M. Schultz Museum archive in Santa Rosa, California. So Excellent. it really takes you from the very beginning, you know, to the very end. And, and so it covers, you know, his, every, every, his childhood up to, to the end of his life and the end of the strip. Absolutely. And, and one thing that I was shocked to find out was that he kind of got started doing cartoons in the military. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, well, he had a, a childhood love of drawing and cartoons, and his actually first published drawing was of his dog um, that he submitted to Ripley's Believe It or Not, and I believe he was like twelve or thirteen years old, yeah. um, and it got and it got published, and so you know he was thrilled about that, and then, um, but he did get he got drafted into the army, and and eventually in into uh, you know, Europe and World War II, mm-hmm. and he kept sketchbooks throughout that time. It was, you know, it was a form of of therapy for him, and it was it, it was almost sort of like a a visual diary of what they were going through. And he um, he would also illustrate on the backs of envelopes for letters, sending you know information back to to his, his family and to other soldiers' families as well. And it really was just him sort of honing his drawing skills in that particularly difficult environment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely, and, and, and kind of learning storytelling through using that medium. And so when, yes. he, 
when he got out of the military, he came back. He he started teaching art. He started uh, doing cartoons for the Saturday Evening Post. So tell me a little bit about how we got from young Charles M. Schultz to major superstar Charles M. Schultz. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think he was as surprised as anybody else. I mean, yeah. he, he always did work very hard and he was very focused on wanting to do a, a, a daily comic strip like that. That was a, a lifelong goal of his from when he was a child. And so he started to focus on, you know, what to do that could be unique. And he, he sort of settled on this idea very early on about little, little kids that acted like adults mm-hmm. and, and frankly, you know, they they all had like larger large heads and smaller bodies. Like that to him was a kind of visual trope that he thought worked in terms of um eliciting a certain kind of emotional response from his from his audience. So he started with um yes, there was a series of cartoons that that got into the Saturday evening post and he was I believe still in his twenties at that time, um, in his late twenties. Um, and they all, all of those, I think there's 18 of them. Those, those cartoons do focus on these themes that would then play out in peanuts where, you know, it's just the kids, there's no adults around, but the kids are doing certain things that are a very adult, like as in playing bridge, say, or, or like mowing the lawn, which like a four-year-old would not do. Um, so they, right. and, and, and the girls were sort of behaving as what we would call at the time, like housewives and usually smarter than the boys and, you know, that whole situation. And so then he started something called Lil Folks, L-I-L apostrophe um, folks. And it, but, it, and it, it was a cartoon, but it was not what we would call a comic strip. Mm-hmm. It was, it would be a collect, like a, a quarter of a page that would have four, what we would call one panel gags. Um, and he got, that, that was running, I believe, in the local St. Paul newspaper. He, he grew up in St. Paul. <clears throat> um, Minnesota, yeah. and um, and then they I forget what happened, but the 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 paper sort of ran with it for a while, and then sort of decided uh, we don't think so anymore. And so then he decided, okay, I'm gonna do I'll do the the you know the four panel daily comic strip, and he start he started translating some of the little folks ideas into into that Mm -hmm. but what he did was he put a portfolio together of the little folks um drawings and gags and then went to new york and uh, was trying to shop it around and uh united features syndicate decided okay we're going to take a chance on this but we think it should be called Peanut. And he did not like the name at all. He was absolutely against it, but was, he was 
in no position to negotiate that. Sure, sure, just, yeah. You know, he was, he was smart enough to, to not make that a battle to fight at that time. And yes. so w- with that, the first Peanuts strip ran in um, early, or I forget what the date was, but ni- 1950. Mm-hmm. I, it might have been October, actually. And, um, and, you know, for the first couple of weeks and months, uh, Peanuts only ran in, I believe, 8 to 11 newspapers. It wasn't widely um, distributed initially. But it very, very quickly became a big hit. And, you know, within a couple of years, uh, it was it was huge. And he was he was on his way. Absolutely. And and one really interesting thing about the success of this particular cartoon in this particular style was the simplicity of the, the drawings. I mean, so many of the cartoons you write in the book at the time were um, r- really trying to be very ornate and very detailed. And this stood out in its simplicity. But that was one of the things people loved about it. Yes, absolutely. He um, it was almost like he was distilling and part of what why I called the book only what's necessary um is it's it's to me it's a it's a phrase that kind of captures the essence of what made the strips work and what and what he was able to do was um was communicate the the, the emotions of the characters through very very limited simple means mm-hmm. and um you know, just graphically, it's it's fascinating. But he he had that special gift uh, to be able to to do that. I mean, other people have have tried with with far less, I would say, aesthetic success. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. As a dog lover, it, it I was I found it very interesting the um the the evolution of Snoopy throughout the years. He started out looking very much like a dog, and then right. uh, toward toward the middle, he he started looking like the 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 other human characters with the the smaller body and the bigger head, and he walked upright. And um, it, it was right. it was very clear that he was a major dog lover. Yes. Well, so, so you are a graphic artist yourself. Yes. How did you? Uh, Really delve into Charles M. Schultz's work. I know you say in your um, in your foreword that you um, you never had the chance to meet him and tell him what his work meant to you. What would you have said had you had that chance? Oh, you know, I pro I probably just would have gushed like everybody else. You know, I don't <laughs> I don't think you know I don't think I would have had anything all that unique to say to him except you know thank you and I'm such a huge huge fan. I think what I, what I came to understand relatively early on in in doing the first peanuts book is that if you if you knew what to do it was actually pretty easy to meet charles schultz if you uh, you know like in the 1970s 80s then into the 90s once the um that sk- his skating rink was built in santa rosa mm-hmm. which is quite spectacular um there's a there's a coffee shop in it called the warm puppy and like clockwork he would go there every morning to have breakfast and so people who knew you know if you wanted to see him or try and meet him you know Mm -hmm. fly to santa rosa book a hotel and believe me i've thought about this all way too much book a (laughs) hotel room and then and then just hang out at the warm puppy and you and 
you would have been bound bound to 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 do that and um yeah. i just uh, i had a, a good friend of mine is the cartoonist art spiegelman and he had gone out and sort of made the pilgrimage uh, to to meet him and i believe interview him for the new yorker magazine and and i remember at the time i think art and i were discussing that and i was saying boy i really should make the effort to do that and 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 he was saying well you know at any time i can i can contact him you know and and i just never did you know um and the next you know he was ill and closing the strip down and it was very you know it was very traumatic for everybody but absolutely Yeah. yeah. And I the story the story that he wrote his retirement letters a morning that he had a major stroke blew my mind. Yeah. He he said something's not right and then went downhill. Uh, he had this perfect moment in time in this perfect cartoon for this very long period of time. Um and so once it started really taking off, uh you know, they were doing games, coloring books, dolls strip collections how did his uh his view from you know from the archives uh what he was putting into contributing to these items um how did that change when peanuts really blew up um hmm, that's a that's a good question he so peanuts started in 1950 and there and the first licensed dolls were like 1958. Mm-hmm. So he waited a while. Um, and uh, he was, I mean, he was very involved. Um, things didn't really totally explode until the mid to late 1960s. And by that time, um, he would have a staff of people that were handling these requests and also handling the quality control of what was being made. And for, for Schultz, he, what we would call compartmentalized it. For him, the, the strip itself was sacred. Nobody could touch that. He never had an assistant. He always wrote and drew the entire thing himself for the entire 50 years that it existed. Which is remarkable. It's over. It's over like eight eighteen thousand five hundred strips. But in terms of the licensing, he 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 would have approval over everything. But other than that, like he he wasn't going to get like super involved. Like like he would he would do drawings for certain things. But if somebody wanted to make a stuffed wood Stock, for example, like okay, that's your job. You make the stuffed woodstock, and then you send me a sample for approval, and then I'll either approve it or ask for changes, and then we're good. And so um, that's kind of that's kind of how it it went. And so you know, I think um, he would have drawn the line, but he would have drawn the line at say if somebody wanted to make a peanut ashtray. Mm-hmm. Um, he wouldn't have allowed that because because it it supports smoking or right. like a, a a peanut beer bottle opener for example. Um, no, but yeah. but snow cone maker, sure, no problem. 
Um, I think that's great. That's great. Like his focus was on the creativity of the the storytelling, um, and yeah. and and the rest of it. He didn't try to to micromanage. That that's fantastic. I mean, to to be on the cover of Time, Life, Newsweek, to to have the, the uh, something on the Apollo Ten named after you. I mean, you don't get much bigger than that when NASA is naming things after you, especially as a cartoonist. Yeah. They're like remarkable to me. There are very few people who reach that level of creativity and popularity. But 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 for example, like Walt Disney, mm-hmm. who, by the way, Schultz wanted to try and work for when he was very young and got, and got rejected. Um, but like somebody like Disney stopped doing the actual creative work very early on. You know, he uh, he was involved in the first couple of years of Mickey Mouse, but then after that, it was running an empire. Yeah. Whereas Schultz was a hands-on artist with an empire, but he never stopped being a hands-on artist. It, it just would not, that wasn't who he was. And, you know, I just find that, tremendously it's both inspiring and um, you know amazing it's it's yeah. it's i just have it just infinite respect for for him well and he i mean he he made art a, a priority he he taught art he you know taught the the craft to to many people so it seems like he was it, it was all about respecting the art and and respecting the craft and respecting that um that medium it, it's just it's just phenomenal to look at the breadth of work and the, you know, the, the, the beginning, the you got original sketches in there and kind of the, the start of, I mean, the photographs in here uh, by Jeff Spear are just amazing photographing the archival material. Um, you know, you can see kind of from the, the beginning all the way through to, you know, the, the final cartoon that was published in, in each strip. And it's, it's really amazing. Well, you're going to be at the Miami Book Fair, the virtual book fair. Yes. And uh, I absolutely love the Miami Book Fair. And I have, I have gone for the, like the last 15 years. So, you know, we're going to everything virtually this year. But, you know, fingers crossed. In a year, we'll be able to go back down, see the people, and it's it's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful book fair. So, listeners, if you're interested in seeing all of the panel discussions that are going to be, uh, you know, streamed, you can you can go to MiamiBookFair.com and and check out all of that, and uh, and there's you know further information about Chip there and and about his book. It's a it's a real treat for it and is. who isn't a Schultz fan. Exactly. I don't think I've ever met a person who said, mm, yeah, I'm, I don't like that peanuts. <laughs> I know. I know. Right. It, it's a great, it's one of the great uniters. Like Absolutely. hipsters love it. And then your mom loves it. Right. Right. For sure. And so listeners, you will love it, too. So I, I, I highly recommend only what's necessary. Well, Chip Kid, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. This was really interesting to talk about. Well, thank you. For Authors on the Air, this is your host, Shannon Fisher. See you next time.